Hello and welcome to the third episode of We Didn't Start the Fire. There's new microphones in the studio tonight, so hopefully you're getting a really um, really nice clarity in, in what you're hearing tonight. They're really fancy actually, it's pretty cool. We're a few minutes late because William was actually teaching me how to set myself up to run this myself because he's been kind enough to be my audio person um, for three episodes now. So I'm trying to learn my own um, so I can do it myself. So welcome. Here we are, uh, episode three. I'm not going to lie, it really snuck up on me. I've been a little bit busy of late. Last week was report writing week and et cetera, et cetera. And I finished the last of my notes three minutes before I got in the car to drive here. So we'll see how we go. So this episode uh, is back to unpacking the song We Didn't Start the Fire. So we're going to do a little recap of what I've already discussed and then let you know what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Here we go. Wow, a lot to cover tonight, you might say. And I'm going to be honest, uh, some of the topics didn't give me much. <laughs> There's not a lot, not not a lot to research, so I'm not going to waste anyone's time in trying to talk about them or things like that. Basically. I was feeling a bit about this episode until our friend Richard Nixon popped up and it reminded me of something I can talk about that I found very interesting and that is Watergate. So tonight's episode is predominantly based on Watergate. Just before I get into it, uh, I just thought I'd remind you of the station phone. It's here and it's ready to um, accept texts. So the number... Uh, for that phone is 0493-213-831. I'll say that one more time. 0493-213-831. If you would be so kind, no, no pressure at all. Just letting you know it's here, as is my personal phone. Feel free to text in. Um, Great to hear some feedback about Titanic. Um, Other people found it interesting as well. It wasn't just me, so that was great. Okay, here we go. So the first lyric to unpack is South Pacific, and I did not know what this could be. Generally, they're a a person or an object or a brand, but South Pacific was quite broad. So upon my research, this is actually a musical. It was composed by Richard Rogers. Uh, premiered in 1949 on Broadway and it was an instant hit. There was 1,925 performances. Basically, it is about an American nurse stationed in the South Pacific Island during World War II. She falls in love with a French plantation owner um, and, it, and explores themes such as romance and race. Um, so, 
it was a little bit controversial at the time as well. Um, it is still alive today. Many adaptations have been made of South Pacific so far. And that's it. That's all I'm going to talk about, South Pacific. So moving on to Walter Winchell, which, again, I had not heard of this man. Um, I quickly found out that he was a journalist. So he was a celeb gossip person, which, as you can imagine, there wasn't a whole lot of that. So he was a bit of a pioneer for sort of celebrity gossip. He was Jewish and... um, really interesting to note, he was one of the first common, uh, commentators to attack Adolf Hitler and his team. Um, so that's a really important um, part of our history. Um, TV, radio, newspaper, he sort of um, did all four, all three media um, outlets. Moving straight along to Joe DiMaggio. He was an American baseball player. He played for the Yankees and he was married to a very interesting person for six months, a very famous Hollywood actress, Marilyn Monroe. But as I said, only six months. That's Joe DiMaggio. (laughs) Moving on to Joe McCarthy. This is my last one before Watergate, but I wanted to stay true and at least give you one fact from each. Uh, he was a United States senator. He served in World War II um, as an intelligence briefing officer. And there you go. It's now time to get into Watergate. So Watergate is a term that you might hear often and a lot of um, controversies, political problems, things like that often now use the term gate uh, in the phrase. Uh, I didn't know what Watergate was and it's kind of funny what it actually is. Not really, but kind of funny. So now we explore Watergate. But to do that, we have to talk about the song lyric, which is Richard Nixon. So he was the 37th president. He was ser- he served from 1969 to 1974 and, uh, And he was very heavily associated with the failed break-in at the Democratic National Headquarters, so the DNC, and that was on June 17th, 1972, into the Watergate Complex. So that's where it comes from. It was simply the building that they broke into. They will be explained soon. Uh, It's in Washington and... um, It's all named after a building, sort of a complex. Watergate wasn't the start of Nixon's downfall. Unfortunately, on June 13th, 1971, the New New York Times published the Pentagon Papers. They uh, They proved several presidents had lied to the public about America's involvement in Vietnam, um, in the Vietnam War. I just want to, before I continue... Um, this uh, topic is obviously very heavy in political, um, in the political nature, and that's not something that I'm interested in. I'll be really honest. So this will be um, a bit of a lighter history lesson on Watergate, not getting too deep, just really exploring w- what it was and and how it, you know, it was actually a bit embarrassing. So. Just so if we have any loyal um, political fans out there, this um, it probably won't be what you expect to hear about Watergate. So 
Truman, Kennedy, Johnson, um, they all deceived the nation about escalating the Vietnam War whilst publicly stating the opposite. So there was a lot of outraged Americans. Um, for example, they were trying to get out of it. Um, that They explained we're trying to get out of it, but in fact they were sending more troops and bombings were happening and things like that. So the Pentagon Papers didn't touch Nixon. However, his... Um, one of his lead men, so Henry Kissinger, he was his national security advisor. He was really concerned and from here on out he becomes quite paranoid. He was really concerned that the media will come for their secrets. Interestingly, come for their secrets. Like he, they were obviously hiding something, otherwise he would have nothing to worry about. He convinced Nixon that this would happen and this is where it all started. So, uh, basically, the main secret that Nixon had at the time was uh, he ordered bombs in Cambodia. Um, this was, uh, at the time, it, it was something that didn't have to happen and Nixon um, was known for seeking forgiveness, not permission. So, acting and then just dealing with consequences. Uh, so basically their first um, – Nixon's team's first goal was to try and stop the Pentagon Papers because if they didn't print, they couldn't find out any secrets. Uh, so they approached them and they said, please stop writing these. And they said no, funnily enough. So they took legal action and the Supreme Court actually ruled against the president and the New York Times won, um, quoting its freedom of speech. So there you go. So how to respond to that? So Bob Holderman, he was the White House Chief of Staff. He demanded blackmail. So there was this supposed file that was always rumoured, never seen, cited or worked on. Uh, it was just a rumour. There was a file at the Brookings Institute and it's at um, had past presidents uh, their secrets. So they really wanted to find it. It was going to be the answer to all the problems. If we got it and we made it public, people would believe, um, you know, uh, about everything about Johnson and, and the previous um, presidents and therefore it would lose its credibility, all the secrets, rumours, blah, blah, blah. So along came... A lovely man named Daniel Eberg, Elberg, uh, and he was the leak. So he was on the team, but he was leaking information to the New York Times. So June 1971, a group of men uh, working for Nixon were called, uh, they formed a team called the Plumbers and their job was to stop all leaks they were former CIA employees. Um, they were out to get information about who was doing what and trying to find the rat. Basically, their first plan was very embarrassing. It was to break into the psychiatrist office that Daniel Alberg attended, like where his um, where he was receiving therapy, and they were going to break into the um, rooms and get his file and look for any dirt that they could find. So damning information. Um, but they found nothing, nothing that was 
of note and they left the files out on the floor, which it's one of the first mistakes that you'll hear um, of many because, yeah, to think about not actually hiding your tracks and also to then thinking about the effects of that and all of that sort of stuff. So the Pentagon Papers um, went down basically. They, they fizzled out after this. So Nixon then directs his attention for the upcoming re-election. So as I said, all, all attention is turned off that and they move into the upcoming re-election. So the CRP was formed, the Committee for Re-election for President, and that was their sole focus, the campaign and, and how they could fund it and what would be done to achieve another re-election. Uh, so in Jan 1972, the head of the plumbers, so um, they they transferred into this sort of CRP team and they were now gathering intelligence on democratic Democratic parties. So Operation Gemstone is what it is referred to before it sort of becomes Watergate. So there was forgery, wiretapping and burglary. So Operation Gemstone was put into action to gather information about other candidates, uh, their financial, specifically their financial status and their sexual tendencies. They were going to steal any information, spy, do whatever they had to do to bring them down and hopefully Nixon would rise to the top. So Nixon's Attorney General, John Mitchell, he loved this idea, which gives you a sense of the type of people we're working with. So he approved it. Yep, let's do it. And this marked the opening scene of the worst political scandal and the beginning of the fall of President Nixon. I'm going to asterisk that. Um, besides Trump is all I'll say. All right, a quick word from our sponsors. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nights. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. Thank you for that. Here we go. So on May 28th, 1972 was the breaking in the DNC, so the Watergate complex. So basically they bugged the chairman's phone, but this was a failed attempt and they ran away and replanned. And June 17th, they tried again. So under a month later. So the plan was to go in again. There was a guy actually in a hotel across the street that he was he was in watch out. They were going to break in, tap all the phones, do whatever they needed to do, steal information while the guy in the hotel across the road kept watch for any police or any security movement because they did this after midnight. So after midnight, Watergate security guards, he noticed the tape covering latches of the complex doors and he just removed them and thought nothing of it. He thought maybe it was a maintenance thing. Uh, however, he found that they then got retaped, which again, holes in this plan, so many holes. Uh, he called the police and interestingly enough, 
some unmarked police cars were closest to the scene and they were called the Bum Squad. They were dressed as hippies and they were on lookout for drugs um, because that was a big problem uh, in the community at the time. So the hotel lookout at this moment missed the police entering because he was watching Attack of the Puppet People on TV. When he noticed, when there was an ad break, finally, he radioed his men, but it was too late. They broke in, the police broke in, they pulled out guns uh, and they found five men in business suits with silicon gloves. They were bugging devices, they were, there was tear gas used, there was rows, rolls of film, $1,000 notes, uh, $1,000 consecutively ordered $100 bills. Sorry. So that's five men they caught. So they gave five fake names and the police didn't know anything more. They just thought they were businessmen breaking in. Um, They did not connect anything to Nixon because why would they at this stage? Uh, And, yeah, that was kind of the whole whole, um, scandal was sort of that right there. So the Washington Post reporter, James McCord, he was a security aide. Um, he was he was found there uh, and that was the one sort of tie to Nick, uh, Nixon because why was he there? He's his security aide, things like that. So Nixon's people denied involvement of break-in. They were hoping to sweep it under the rug and just move on. June 19th. Uh, it's admitted that the break-in was planned. So the plumbers, they come out and say we were forced. So these these guys who were leading the team, plumbers say they were forced and they brainstorm. This is obviously within uh, not public. They brainstorm ways to cover up the failed robbery. Um, they decide to destroy all evidence that leads to Watergate and they didn't want anyone to see them, obviously. Nixon, uh, he he was the first president to have his conversations all recorded and it was actually voice activated. So as soon as he started talking in his meeting room, it would start recording. And it, in these conversations they discussed Watergate, uh, so they taped over them and that's how easy you could sort of get rid of it. There was no proof that Nixon had any involvement and this is something that you'll see until basically the end of of the whole saga. Um, So some names were released and leaked in Nixon's team, it came to be. On June 23rd, Nixon put pressure on the FBI to stop investigating. Uh, He didn't ever explain why. He just sort of said, your business is no good here, stop, and gave them warning. Um, Here's where they found some money trails directly to Watergate. Again, Seriously, I could do a better job. So this is interesting. This now brings up uh, one of the women who was a key part in this whole scandal. So John Mitchell, so he was the head of, I just don't know what I've written, re-election committee. There you go. He was the head of the re-election committee. He had a wife, Martha Mitchell. Martha Mitchell was larger than life. She drank and talked too much. She used to get drunk and call the reporters and 
spill all the beans. Always on her husband's side, so it was about, you know, other parties, but she was known for that. So, da-da-da-da, Martha finds out one of Nixon's men were involved in Watergate. Uh-oh. They realise she's likely to speak to media because she doesn't have a good track record. And John Mitchell instructs security to not let her contact the media. At all costs. Keep that in mind. At all costs. Um, Martha did, sorry, there's a little break as I try and read what I've written. Martha did eventually get on to the press. She attempted to, so she got dialing. However, the phone call ended abruptly. Martha Mitchell was not seen or heard from for a few days. The reporter tracked Martha to a country club in New York and upon finding Martha described her as being a beaten woman with visible cuts and bruises over her body. Martha came out after this and explained that she was held captive. She tried to escape, including attempts over the balcony, but she was forcefully sedated by Nixon's personal doctor. Nixon's team blamed Martha's drinking problems. They said she was mad anyway, she can't be trusted, and she was blamed for just being a drunk. So there you go. Really upsetting to hear that someone who was trying to actually do the right thing, even if they did have a bit of alcohol in their system, um, was really physically um, hurt. All right, so now we sort of talk about the end and and how it all turned out. So September 15th, three men indicted, which means they're charged with committing the crime but they're awaiting the court. The investigations really amped up. There was so much money thrown at this. There was different teams. There was a lot going on. Um, In November, believe it or not, who gets re-elected but Nixon. So all along he said, no, I have nothing to do with it. I didn't force them. Well, you know, he's the people who are in it tried to tried to give it away without giving it away, saying that we were asked to do this do this by Nixon. Um, but he won in all states Nixon did except one. And I, I just can't remember which one it was. Um, he did a great job of convincing people. Finally, in 1973, there was a trial um, and the five men that were sort of up pleaded guilty because they didn't have to talk. Um, so they just thought that was the easiest thing. They were staying pretty loyal to their leader. Uh, the judge was really worried about this and put bigger stakes on the line. Um, Nixon was then told they're coming for us. There was lots of money moved around here, lots of hush money, lots of big transactions that are documented around here. One man who was on trial wrote a secret letter explaining that it was all Nixon and the judge read this to the public and this was, um, you know, it it allowed his sentence to be delayed. That's as far as it got this man. Um, but Nixon obviously denied all involvement and really that was that. August 30th, um, a lot of top staff on the Nixon party resign, which sort of says a lot. 
And finally, they come back to the recordings. These tapes, they needed them and they needed to hear them. Oh, who refuses but Nixon? He makes up excuses. He, yeah, no, you can't touch them. Finally, on August 8th, um, sorry, uh, the, sorry, the committee, um, a, a particular committee was formed and they made him, a, a legal committee was formed, made him hand over the tapes and strangely enough they, the tapes had blanks in them for very specific amounts of time where conversation was cut obviously between four, uh, 11 and 14 minutes and every swear word that was um, said was replaced with the word explicit. So weird, so, so weird that that's what they ended up with. Hey, they wouldn't have been talking about Watergate, surely. On August 8th, 1974, boom, 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 Nixon resigns. He's gone. He re- I think he, he had to do it. And there's a famous photo of him after he resigns with his fingers in a peace-like manner, but it was V for victory. So that's a bit embarrassing. Um, his men got four months to four years um, in jail and 48 convictions um, were proven. All right, another word from our sponsors. If you're down Caraway, just call Mitchell Tall. Or in Patterson Lakes, just call Mitchell Tall. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tall. Buy a summer house, just call Mitchell Tall. Mitchell Tall. Real estate. Oh, yeah, a little real estate. We want more. So that's the story of Watergate. Maybe you knew some of that, maybe you didn't. As I said, it was a skimmed over version but highlights the main points because it gets quite deep into this and that and political stuff. Um, But if you didn't know, now you do. So there's two more um, parts to the phrase that I was going to cover tonight and true to form, I don't have much information but just one fun fact about them each. The next one is Studebaker. I hope I've got that right. It's a tricky one. I read it as Studebaker, Studebaker, and this was a car company that falls into liquidation at this time. The next one was television, and basically it talks about the rise of TVs in households. By 1960, 85.9% of Americans own one TV. Um, You'll notice that in a lot of these podcasts it is American-related, that's well, obviously Billy Joel is American, but um, yeah, a lot of what we're covering is based on American events. Uh, I did, however, look into uh, sort of Australia's rise of TV and quite similar. So, 1957, there was 200,000 TV sets um, in households, and it continued to grow, um, but really took off in the 70s. All right, so that is tonight's episode right on 6.30. So there you go. It's good because we need to – William and I are meeting mum at Chadston to do some suit shopping for a wedding. So that's good. We can meet her nice and early. So mum, you can leave now and we'll be there soon. Uh, Just a quick note to say that I'm taking a month off. (laughs) 
<laughs> which sounds yeah okay I haven't done a whole lot but um, basically I'm on school camp and I can't get off I can't get off that it would be a bit tricky particularly at night time so instead of a recording please think of me uh, in a fortnight's time probably possibly running on no sleep but I'm also glad in a way because the next topic is a topic that is extremely I want to say close to my heart but for all the wrong reasons and it is North Korea it is actually in the song which is great but I'm just going to run with it being my own topic it's something a topic that I'm fascinated in as I said for all the wrong reasons Um, please please tune in Uh, that'll be a really really interesting episode I'm I'm sure of it because I also am very conscious that people don't know a whole lot about North Korea and as soon as I share two or three facts, people um, are shocked and and sort of want to know more and I've got some – this is a topic that I've really researched heavily so I'm quite confident that um, it's actually really important to spread the word of what's happening over there. All right, so that's about it for tonight. Thanks, William, for the audio and the production. Next month, as I said, probably me running the show. So if you don't hear it, maybe send me a text next week, next episode, and I'll do my best. Okay, bye, everyone. Have a great month. I'll see you in a fortnight or or two.